The following program does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Reality Radio 101, its advertisers and sponsors, or its listening audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Urban Forestry Radio Show, here on Reality Radio 101. In this radio show and podcast, we learn about fruit trees, permaculture, arboriculture, and so much more. So if you love trees, and especially fruit trees, or if you're interested in living a more sustainable life, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Susan Poisner of the Fruit Tree Care Training website, OrchardPeople.com. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner. To contact Susan live right now, send her an email in studio101 at gmail.com. And now, right to your host of the Urban Forestry Radio Show, Susan Poisner. If you're planting a new garden or thinking of jazzing up an established garden, you might want to consider integrating native plants. There's so many benefits to planting native plants. They attract pollinators and beneficial insects. They provide habitat for wildlife, and they're often pretty easy to grow. But that's not necessarily the case with blueberries. Blueberry bushes are native to North America, so they should be easy to grow. But these plants are actually quite fussy. If your blueberries aren't planted in suitable soil, they will become stressed and unproductive. So in the show today, we are going to talk about blueberries and soil. We'll learn where they grow naturally and how to recreate an environment that blueberries will love in your own backyard. And my guest on the show today is Kathy Jemchak, Senior Extension Associate in the Department of Plant Science at Penn State College of Agricultural Sciences. She works with berry growers in Pennsylvania to help them grow berries successfully and in an environmentally sustainable way. And if you're listening to the show live today, you can ask Kathy your questions. And, and, if you, and if you email us with a question or comment during the live show, we will enter you into today's contest. So this month's prize is fantastic. It includes two tools from DRAM. That's a 10-foot soaker ring, which directs water to the roots of young trees and shrubs, and a DRAM Bypass Pro pruner. The total value of the two-item package is $38. So to enter the contest, just send us an email with your question or your comment. Or just write us to say hi. Send your email to instudio101 at gmail.com. That's instudio101 at gmail.com. And remember to include your first name and where you're writing from. We look forward to hearing from you. So now, let's talk blueberries. Kathy, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Susan. I'm really happy to be here. So, Kathy, blueberries are a native plant in North America. Where would we naturally find these plants growing? Yes, so blueberries are native. There are different species of them um, all through the United States, Canada, up towards some colder areas. And these are some different species that are in different habitats. The two that we'll probably focus the most on today are low bush blueberries, which is Vaccinium angustifolium. Um, these grow in wild stands in the northeastern US and in southeastern Canada. And then um, there are high bush blueberries. Um, there are also um, various species that will be found in the forest understory. And so some of the plants are more drought tolerant and some are not. What they all do have in common, though, is that they prefer a soil with a low pH that is relatively 
relatively low in nutrients compared to um, agricultural soils or perhaps a rich garden soil. So basically, blueberries like crummy soil. They like crummy They're soils. Also in crummy soil. Yes. So where you might um, look for them, perhaps in the wild, and where they might do really well, are in areas that tend to look a little on the scrubby side. I guess you could call it, where it looks like other plants aren't doing well, or areas that might be referred to as barrens, um, such as pine barrens. In in these areas, the soils have nutrients available um, in different proportions from what they would in ag soils. And the blueberries are able to access these nutrients in different ways than what our other commonly cultivated plants can. And so they're very much adapted to these different types of ecosystems. So, okay. So they were, they're adapted to these ecosystems and you said they're very different than other plants. Mm -hmm. And that's the roots, isn't it? Let's talk about the roots. What is it about blueberry roots that make them okay with kind of nutrient poor soil? Yes, so there are a couple of different things going on. Um, one is that they have a very fine root system. And this is a root system where the majority of the roots are only about the width of a human hair. So they're very fine. They do not have, however, um, what is referred to as root hairs that other types of plants have, which are basically an extension of the epidermis that the, the plant can produce um, and, and shed very quickly if needed. The blueberries do not have those root hairs. Instead, they have a very fine entire root system. On top of that, they often in nature form associations with mycorrhizal fungi that act as an extension of that root system and help forage for nutrients that might be available in lower quantities. And that is very, very common. Um, and it helps with things like nitrogen uptake in particular. And it's just a completely different kind of um, interaction from perhaps other mycorrhizal associations that you might hear about with other crop plants. So it sounds like blueberries really rely on microorganisms almost more than other plants because other plants have these little root hairs that help them get nutrients out of the soil. And the blueberry is like a little baby. It needs somebody to bring the nutrients, I suppose, into the plant. Well, in, in a way, way yeah, in a, in a way that is true. Now, I can't really say that they are more dependent on these associations necessarily than other plants. They, um, other species of plants such as pine trees and other native plants may form different types of mycorrhizal associations with other fungi, but the blueberries in particular have this association what's, with what's referred to as ericoid mycorrhizal fungi that are really good at um, foraging for nitrogen. So in the beginning, I talked about native plants and they're terrific and shouldn't they be so easy? So let's bring blueberries back into it. They, I guess they're easy if you happen to have a scrubby backyard with low nutrients, lots of mycorrhizal uh, fungi. And, you know, what would that, you know, perfect backyard look like? So basically, blueberries, would you say they're an easy native plant to grow or no? It can be if you do the right things for them first. And so the real goal is to try to make what is your backyard more like what they might find in nature. And so there are a lot of things we do to our backyards over time that aren't necessarily good for blueberries. You know, we may be liming to get grass to grow or to bring the pH for some, some garden plants. Um, and those, if those types of things have been done to an area for a long time, it may not be best suited to blueberries. Or you may need to um, do some things to get that soil to be more like what a blueberry might like. So in particular, um, you know, some of the things I really like are, are things like a high organic matter level. But often we will go through certain practices when we establish the plants both before and while we establish them to make sure that the area we're growing them in um, is going to give them the best chance for success. Well, that's fantastic. So when this show today, we'll talk about how to make your garden hospitable to a blueberry plant, to evaluate whether your garden is even the right place for a blueberry plant. I mean, sometimes you have to consider that. We have an email from a listener, 
Carolyn writes. Now let's see. Carolyn's from Edmonton, Alberta. Oh, she also wants to be entered into the contest. Um, she says, could you please, dear Kathy, could you please share tips on winterizing urban blueberry plants and how best to support their growth in the spring? Should blueberry bushes be pruned annually? If so, when's the best time of year? And are there any companion plants that help blueberry bushes to enhance fruit production? Many thanks for considering my questions. Wow, Carolyn, you're amazing. Great, all great questions. So what should we talk about first? Winterizing, perhaps? Yes. Um, so winterizing. So one of the things, and, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later on, but one of the things we will normally do with blueberries um, is, is that we will apply a, a good mulch layer to them during establishment. And that is one thing that can help quite a bit during the summertime in terms of um, the soil freezing and then as it thaws out and, and um, perhaps freezes and thaws during the fall and spring can help with moderating those soil temperatures and keeping them from dropping um, too low by doing some insulation as well. And um, also helping with keeping the roots from breaking um, as the soil freezes or thaws during, during the um, fall and spring. So, so that is one thing that can help. Um, another thing that um, is related to winter um, time is that when you're choosing a site for your blueberries, you do wanna avoid being fairly, you want to avoid being close to an area where you might be spreading salt, perhaps to melt ice on sidewalks or driveways, because they aren't very salt tolerant at all that can really kill them. If you're in a windy area, you may want to, um, you may want to wrap some plants with burlap, but normally that's not necessary. In some of the colder, windier areas, um, depending on the snow level, you may be able to choose a variety that is a um, cross between a high bush and a low bush. And these are referred to as half-high half high varieties that will stay below the, the level of the snow that you typically get. So there are a lot of things that you can do both in your planning and um, while you're taking care of those plants to help in terms of winter um, protection. Now, coming into this time of the year, um, coming into spring is when we would normally prune them. And the way um, blueberries grow, and here we're talking about high bush blueberries. So we're not really, and, and this will apply to the half highs as well. We're not really going to touch on low bush blueberries for this. They will normally send up new canes from the root system. And those canes will become, um, they will become more twiggy, I guess, over time. And as they become more twiggy, they become thinner and they dry out and desiccate more quickly during the wintertime. They also tend to produce, um, perhaps, how do you want to say that? Each of those tips can produce flower buds. And so you can end up with those older canes producing a lot of small berries, whereas younger cane might produce bigger fatter berries. And so, yeah, so what we want to do with that plant is keep a range of cane ages on it that are from about one to five or six years old, a range of cane ages. Um, gradually over time, we will prune out the oldest canes and young, allow younger, newer canes to come up to replace those. And so that'll keep the plant young. Um, we'll also do some pruning to remove any kind of disease looking wood or anything, you know, that just isn't growing well that might might be harboring some problems. That's pretty, it's a simple strategy, you know, get rid of the oldest canes, make sure you have a wide range of ages, ages in the canes. That's fantastic. Her last quick question was, are there any companion plants that, that really like blueberries and blueberries like them? Yes, I actually love that question. So, so the plant family that belong, um, blueberries belong to, <clears throat> excuse me, is the ericaceous plant family. So that's the same family that azaleas and rhododendrons belong to as well. So instead of trying to put blueberries in your garden with your tomatoes or your um, strawberries or raspberries, you're actually much better off grouping them with your azaleas and rhododendrons. Um, there are other ground covers like tea berries, lily of the valley, there are all sorts of plants in that ericaceous plant family that can go along with blueberries really well, so that you can take care of all of them um, in a similar way and, and, you know, have them all be happy together. 
That sounds perfect. Okay, we got a whole bunch more questions. Next one is from Bon, bon from Peterborough, Ontario. Bond says, I'm wondering what kind of sand I can use to amend my soil with to grow blueberries successfully and how much should I add? Okay, this is this is another really good question. So, so there are different types of sand out there. There is um, play sand. That is not the best. That is actually very fine. And, and there isn't a lot of aeration in it, which these fine roots need. Um, they do need to be able to work their way through the soil because they're so fine. So, so the play sand is not the best. This might be a longer answer than you wanted, but then there's also builder's sand, which may be pulverized rock that might have a high pH to it. We've actually found that to be the case. So not that either. Um, there are is a coarser type of sand you can get that might be sold as sandblaster sand or silica sand that is relatively inert. And that seems to be the type of sand that is best for blueberries. You can mix in up to 50% um sand if you want to some growers will use a mix of half peat half silica sand um, as as a growing media for containerized production and it works very well well that was a great question and a great answer so let's move on to denise denise says hello from alma quebec a very interesting topic today since blueberries are a great anti-inflammatory food as we know, inflammation is the body's response to help cure injuries and disease. However, too much inflammation is bad for the body. These beautiful berries help reduce that. Thank you for sharing, Denise. Well, that's great. All the more, and they taste good. They're yes. good for you and, and they taste good. That's an extra thing. We have uh, an email now from Lisa. Now, where's Lisa? Okay, from Iroquois, Ontario. Excited about today's program. We moved our high bush plants in the fall, and I'm still holding my breath that they survived the winter in their new spot. Ooh, is it tricky to move blueberries? It can be, yes. It, it can be difficult. The root system... Um, can be fairly shallow and spread out over a fairly large area, which can make it difficult to move. Now, this is for high bush plants, so it can be tricky to move them. If you manage to get enough of the root system, though, they, they should survive. A number of people have done that successfully. What you will want to do this spring, though, is possibly give them pretty good pruning at the top so that they're not trying to pull out more moisture and transport transpire more moisture than the roots can actually provide. So that may help them with, with just navigating this, this transition that they're making. So if they are to prune uh, a bit of the top of the plant, mm -hmm. um, is there a limit? Should they only prune 20% of the, the canes or can they cut it right to the ground if need be? They can even cut it right to the ground if they need to. So this is kind of off topic maybe from what was originally asked, but sometimes when a planting gets very old and it hasn't been pruned in a long time, it will become less productive or um, some plantings will just sort of peter out over time. And sometimes we will um, tell folks to try just pruning the canes down to kind of jumpstart the plant. And that actually will often work fairly well. So in this case um, with a listener, I would actually rather err on the side of pruning too much rather than too little. It's it's really, yeah, it's really difficult to, to do that because you want those blueberries. So psychologically, it's hard to make yourself do that. Um, but typically we say you can remove about 40% of the top without affecting your yields at all. But normally the plant will just compensate by producing large berries. And by removing the top, if you've moved your plant recently, you're actually allowing the roots to extend further. All the energy that was in the roots won't be wasting its time too much with supporting existing canes. It'll go into the roots, they'll extend, they'll settle in, uh, heal themselves from the move, I'm guessing. Yes, correct. And, okay. and yes, and send up some new canes over time. You just and need a little patience. Yeah, yeah, with time. Okay, Bon has another question here. As a follow up question, is it okay to plant blueberries in raised beds? Or would they not prefer that? 
I'd love to be entered into the contest. <laughs> Thanks for uh, the great information. That's from Bon again. Yes. So raised beds can work perfectly fine. We just want to make sure that you do have those beds mulched in well so that you don't have perhaps like a very narrow bed that might freeze and thaw over the wintertime. So we're kind of looking at soil mass here. But commercially, a lot of growers do have raised beds and they work very well, um, especially if they tend to be in wetter areas where they might feel like they need some additional drainage um, in that soil. So yes, so raised beds are perfectly fine. No, not a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got an email from Amy. Uh, Amy says, hello, I have about a half an acre of high bush blueberries in southwest Michigan. Any tips for pruning would be greatly appreciated while well, we talked about that. Uh, this spring, I pruned out about half of the thick old gray canes and about half of the new canes. I'm hoping it didn't prune too much. Also, can you prune blueberries once the weather has warmed up late spring or will that hurt the plants? That's from Amy and it's a fantastic question. Yes. So normally we would prefer the pruning to be happening sooner than that. Um, It probably won't hurt the plant in itself directly. However, one of the things that's happening in springtime, um, we talked about fungi and the mycorrhizal associations. Of course, we also have plant diseases. And a lot of those are waking up right about the same time our plants are, where there's tender foliage that they can affect, infect that sort of thing. And so there are a number of cane diseases that if you're pruning too late and these fungi are beginning to sporulate, that they may land on some of those open wounds and, and cause some, some issues that way. So we would really rather that the pruning be done just, you know, as the buds are beginning to swell um, and hopefully wrapped up, you know, by that point. If it's too late and you don't really have a choice at this point, you can prune um, watching for what the weather forecast looks looks like coming up. So you don't want to do it when you have rain in the forecast. A lot of the diseases need certain periods of of wetness to sporulate. So if you know you have perhaps like three or four um, dry days coming up after you intend to prune, that is safer than, than pruning when it might be wetter. All right. Well, we have a question from Jeff, who I know, who is a great photographer, by the way. And uh, so my friend Jeff is from Warrenville, Illinois, and he says, been growing blueberries for 12 years and every year, every year, adding peat, sulfur and pine needles, getting good crops and this year sent off for pH 5.9. So I learned a new trick this year from a horticulturalist in California, and that is applying powdered sulfur instead of prill style, Mm -hmm. prill style. He says that the conversion to acid is very quick, unlike up to a year with prills. I added, I applied it in a hose and sprayer piece of cake. So easy. We'll do two to three applications this year with a total of 10 pounds for 1000 squared feet. I have 35 bushes comments. So Jeff wants some comments on his strategy and maybe explain to people a little, what is he, what is Jeff trying to achieve? It sounds like he's going to a lot of trouble to grow his blueberries and people with blueberries in the backyard are going to be like, Oh, should I be doing that stuff? (laughs) So what's he up to? Yeah, I really like his approach because what he's doing is a little bit at a time, you know, and um, the pH is currently, yes, a little on the high side there. Normally, we would like it to be, you know, a maximum of 5.5, closer to, you know, 4.5 to 5.2 is what we normally think of as the optimum range. But I like the fact that he is he's doing a little bit at a time and trying to do some sort of maintenance that keeps the pH where it should be. So the sulfur he is talking about is, yes, a, a finer type of powder, and that will react more quickly um, with the soil, as he had mentioned. The prills that he refers to are relatively easy to work with and um, spread by hand. So those are basically, you know, little pellets, but it can take them a, a long time to um, to break down. He had mentioned that it can take up to a year. We've actually seen it take as long as two to three years um, in, in colder, colder areas where there just isn't a lot of um, 
reactions taking place, or perhaps um, there isn't enough abrasion of those prills to really make them break down and start reacting with the soil. One of the things about sulfur is that it actually requires um, different types of soil microorganisms to help with using that sulfur as a food source. And that starts the process of, um, of breaking down the sulfur into to sulfates and other chemical compounds that react with the soil more quickly. And the finer it is, more surface area, the faster those reactions take place. And so that's a really, really good tip he, he came up with there. So Jeff, you've got total approval on this end here. So <laughs> I'm sure you're glad to hear that. We have a couple more emails. I also want to talk a little bit more about pH. What is this mysterious pH and why it's so important? But let's take just a couple of minutes and we'll hear a word from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about pH and why it's so important to get it just so for your blueberry plants. Is that sound okay, Kathy? You okay hanging in the line there for a second? Oh, yes. Sounds terrific. All right, great. Well, you're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show and Podcast brought to you by the Fruit Tree Care Training website, orchardpeople.com. This is Reality Radio 101, and I'm Susan Poisner, author of the award-winning Fruit Tree Care book, Growing Urban Orchards. And we'll be back right after the break. If you're thinking of planting fruit trees and you're looking for a wide selection of cultivars, consider Wiffle Tree Nursery. Our 62-page full-color catalog includes 300 varieties of fruit and nut trees, berries, grapes, and other edible perennial plants. Not only that, in our catalog, we help you through the selection process with tips and advice about all aspects of growing fruit trees. You can learn about adding nitrogen-fixing plants, rootstock choices, and even about planting a windbreak if you have a windy site. We're a one-stop shop as we sell fruit tree care books, pruning tools, organic sprays, and natural fertilizers. We're located in Alora, Ontario, but we can ship all over Canada. Call us at 519-669-1349 to order your catalog. That's 519-669-1349. Wiffle Tree Nursery. Call us today. G'day gardeners, it's JJ here, your Aussie gardening expert. We all know young, newly planted trees need to be watered deeply and regularly to kickstart growth. But correct irrigation just isn't as easy as you would think. Sprinklers waste bucket loads of water and they wet the leaves and branches which can result in the spread of nasty fungal diseases. At Greenwell, we have a system to direct the water deep down into the soil to the roots of your trees where it's needed most. But watering takes time. So municipalities across North America, Europe and Australia are now saving time and money by using Greenwell water savers for newly planted trees. So why don't you? Dig the easy to install recycled plastic rings into the soil around your young trees. Then each week, you can fill the rings with up to 50 litres of water and that water filters deep down into the root system where it is needed. Think of Greenwell Water Savers as your insurance policy for young trees. Learn more at greenwellwatersavers.com. If you're listening to this show, you are passionate about fruit trees. But do you care how your trees are grown? Silver Creek Nursery is a family-owned business, and we grow our fruit trees sustainably using only organic inputs. We stock a huge range of cultivars, like Wolf River, an apple tree that produces fruit so large you can make an entire pie with just one apple. We also carry red-fleshed apples, like Pink Pearl, as well as heirloom and disease-resistant varieties of apples, pears, apricots, cherries, and more. We ship our trees across Canada, and we can also supply you with berry canes and edible companion plants to plant near your trees. At Silver Creek Nursery, we grow fruit trees for a sustainable food future. 
Learn more about us at silvercreeknursery.ca. Hi everyone, it's Susan Poisner from OrchardPeople.com. If you're listening to this radio show, I'm guessing that you want to be knowledgeable and confident in fruit tree care, and I'm here to say that I would love to help you with that. You can check out my premium online workshops at OrchardPeople.com, and I'll teach you how to prune your trees, how to feed them, and how to protect them from pests and diseases. Because you're listening to this podcast, you can go to orchardpeople.com slash workshops and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off any of our courses or bundles. That's orchardpeople.com slash workshops and use the promo code podcast. Welcome back to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner, right here on Reality Radio 101. To get on board right now, send us an email. Our email address is instudio101 at gmail.com. And now, right back to your host of the Urban Forestry Radio Show, Susan Poisner. You're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show and Podcast, brought to you by the Fruit Tree Care training website, OrchardPeople.com. This is Reality Radio 101, and I'm your host, Susan Poisner, author of the award-winning Fruit Tree Care book, Growing Urban Orchards. In the show today, we're talking about blueberries. These bushes may be native to North America, but that doesn't mean that they're super easy to grow. In the first part of the show, we talked about where blueberry bushes grow in the wild. But in this part of the show, I want to talk a little bit more about the steps involved in converting an area of your garden or an area of your farm into an area that might be suitable for blueberries. My guest today is Kathy Demchak, Senior Extension Associate in the Department of Plant Sciences at the Penn State College of Agricultural Sciences. Kathy works with berry growers in Pennsylvania to help them grow berries successfully and in an environmentally sustainable way. But first, I want to hear from you. If you're listening to the live show, send us an email right now with your questions or your comments and we'll enter you into this month's contest to win this month's prize, which is two tools from DRAM. The prize includes a 10-foot soaker ring, which directs water to the roots of young trees and shrubs, and a DRAM Bypass Pro pruner. The total value of the two-item package is $38. So to enter the contest, just send us an email right now, even just to say hi. And you'll send it to instudio101 at gmail.com. Include your first name and where you are writing from so we know who you are. So send your email right now to instudio101 at gmail.com and we look forward to hearing from you. So Kathy, earlier in the show, we talked about pH. And it's funny, there's, there's like there are these situations where people go to Home Depot and they see, wow, a blueberry plant, it's on sale. I'm going to put it in my yard. It's like really great price. So can we talk about pH? Why, what is pH and why is it important for a successful experience with your blueberry plant? Yes. So pH is a measure of how acidic or basic your soil might be. And as we mentioned in the first part of the show, uh, blueberries really do need a soil that is on the acidic side of, of that range. Um, four, five to five, two um, is ideal. Up to five, five is fine. Um, 
And so what is happening when the soil pH is in this more acidic range is that the availability of different nutrients and the forms in which they exist based on soil chemistry are somewhat different. So for example, um, nitrogen is in the ammonium form, whereas you might look at a bag of fertilizer and see that perhaps it has something called nitrate in it, that's a nitrate form. That is not the kind of nitrogen that blueberries use. They actually need the ammonium form. And so when you are under these um, lower pH conditions, the nutrients are in forms that the blueberries are better able to take up. And some of them, such as micronutrients, such as iron or zinc, are also much more available to the plants. And so often if you put a blueberry in a soil that is too high of a pH, you'll see that it turns yellow because of usually an iron deficiency. And so some of the, the first steps we want people to do is to um, do a soil test on their soil. And we generally will recommend that they use a lab that is in their region because normally that will use methods that give them the most accurate um, picture of, of how their soil is behaving and um, how nutrients are available in it. That could be a whole nother show for a whole nother time as to why that is. Now, people can do a quick pH test at home just using pH test strips from like a swimming pool place or, you know, um, or, or an aquarium. Um, you know, or a dealership or a pet store, um, what they want to do is mix their soil with um, half distilled water and half soil, stir that, let it settle out for about a half hour, and then they can dip in a test strip. And that will give them at least a rough idea. You know, if they find they have a pH of 7.5, it's probably a good idea not to try to put those plants in that first year. You know, they, they may want to grow them in a container or something for a while, but definitely um, you want to work on that soil and get the pH into the, the correct range. No, and that's, and that's yeah. part of the, 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 the problem with the temptations of our garden mm -hmm. centers, because if you have a soil that's 7.5, there's probably a lot of fantastic things that would thrive in that soil. What, what type yes. of plants would love 7.5? Like you don't have to change it if you're going to grow something other than blueberries there, perhaps, like right. what would like 7.5? Right. Well, asparagus is one thing that will, will like a higher pH. Um, a lot of our typical garden plants will, will tolerate um, a higher pH like that. It doesn't mean it's, it's even best for them. You know, they may more prefer something closer to a neutral to slightly acidic range, but at least they'll tolerate it better. So we need to get intimate with our soil. We yes. need to know what we have in the garden so that we know what will thrive there. Is there any pH that all plants love? Boy, you know, um, you know, typically we will say somewhere between around six, five is kind of a sweet spot. So, you know, six, five to six, eight, somewhere in that range, you can grow a lot of different things really well. Um, there are just specialized things such as such as blueberries um, that won't do well there. But that's kind of a sweet spot for a lot of our garden plants. Okay, so you you you're ready to plant your blueberry plant, hopefully not necessarily the one you got from the garden center or Home Depot, you know, maybe you thought about it more, you thought about the cultivar, you checked your soil, um, if you get a soil test, will they tell you how to correct your soil so that it will be appropriate for blueberries? Yes, and that is another reason why you, you may want to use a commercial lab as well. Typically, um, there will be forms that you will send in along with your your soil sample that will ask you what you intend to grow there. And if you specify blueberries, not only will they um, check the pH, they will also check for something called the buffer pH, which is the tendency of your soil to buffer against changes in pH. So there might be a lot of calcium or magnesium in that soil, which means you might need to add perhaps more sulfur to get the pH down into the correct range than you might um, perhaps in a soil that is less buffered. So that would be like a sand, perhaps. Clays also tend to be more highly buffered. And so they can actually test your soil to find out what you need to do specifically for your soil um, to get that pH down into the correct range. 
and they will give you specific instructions. This is what to do yes. with your soil. This is how much to sprinkle down. This is what to do. Yes, typically they will give you that if you're a commercial grower on a per acre basis or for a home garden, perhaps on a per thousand square foot basis and tell you how many pounds of sulfur you need or other materials you could use. Fantastic. So what about then you plant your plant, you your blueberry plant, you give it lots of love, you water it regularly. Um, what about now you say that these are plants that don't need a lot of fancy nutrient inputs or do, do we fertilize them quite regularly? Do blueberries need a lot of fertilizers? Mm -hmm. There are a few things, well, a few things I want to touch on there. One is the, the part about planting the plant that I do want to touch on is that, you know, we mentioned they have this very fine root system, so they do need a lot of organic matter in the soil. And so when you're planting your plant, typically we will recommend that you mix in about half peat moss to half soil when you're making that planting hole and um, putting your plants in the ground. So the bigger an area you can work this organic matter into the better and then um, typically we will want to mulch the plants to to um, with with organic matter again keep those soil um, those roots cool and moist and get your plants off to a good start and then when it comes to fertilizing yes you're exactly correct they don't need as much fertilizer as a lot of our other garden plants might it is very easy to burn the roots off of them in the first year. So normally, um, when you get your soil test results, there will be some recommendations for mixing in nitrogen. So that's mixed in throughout the whole bed. So it's it's dispersed, you know, and you're not getting fertilizer concentrated in one area. So there will be that. But then after you plant the plants, um, about two months after planting, once they've become established, you can give them a light dose of a nitrogen fertilizer um, with the equivalent of what's only, if you were using something like um, ammonium sulfate, which is 20% nitrogen, you would only apply about a half of a tablespoon per plant maximum to, to give that plant a little extra nutrition in that first year. Um, you can use organic forms of fertilizer as well that are made for acid loving plants. Those are fine too. Um, they tend to be a little gentler, but yes, they don't need nearly as much. And even in a mature planting, we are really still um, looking at fertilizer rates that are only, only about half that that you might put on a tomato plant you know, in the year wow. that you're growing it. So, so the levels are very low. Um, we will gradually, I had, I had mentioned that, um, you know, half tablespoon of ammonium sulfate, you may increase that to four to six tablespoons per plant in a mature planting over the span of about five to six years. But other than that, they really don't need, um, need a whole lot of fertilizer. We do, however, recommend that people do continue to do a soil test every so often, um, more often when they're establishing the plants, but maybe spread that out every two to three years or so once the planting's established, just to see if any other nutrients are getting um, out of whack as they're being extracted from the soil. So yeah, so you keeping an eye on your plant and it's thriving. And it sounds like the fussy part of the blueberry is just getting the environment right. And then after that, it's a pretty, you know, not, not low maintenance, you have to prune it, you have to feed it, but it's, it's not a very necessarily super demanding once it's established. That is correct. Yes, I mm. think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, mm, that's good. Now, something I wanted to talk about with you is I know you live in the middle of a forested area that there are blueberries there that grow wild, native blueberries. And this is hard for me as a city dweller to even imagine that there are many different types of blueberries that are very different from either the cultivated blueberries we get at the supermarket or you get the little wild blueberries. Mm -hmm. So what are the different um, varieties or cultivars of blueberries that are available? And can we actually plant these different native blueberry plants in our backyards? Yes. So one, one thing we hadn't really gotten into yet is that blueberries are a relatively um, 
recent addition, I guess, to our to our agricultural crops that we are cultivating. So they've been growing wild for thousands and thousands of years, and they've been adapted to these different, um, you know, different areas. It's only been within a little over the last hundred years that there were really um, concerted efforts to breed varieties. A lot of the early blueberries that were grown were either, you know, as this still happens now, wild stands that were harvested or, um, you know, selections from the wild that were planted. Now, there are these other species we had mentioned. Some of them um, that are growing you know, outside of my house right now are various forest understory plants that have the ability to impart things like drought tolerance to plants. And so breeders over time have looked to these other species and are making crosses that do give them um, better adaptation to things like, um, you know, like, like drought conditions. And some of them are imparting an ability to tolerate slightly heat, higher pHs as well. But really those efforts are relatively new. So when it comes back to what kinds of plants you might want to plant, um, there, there are cultivars that have been bred both in low bush, but primarily in high bush um, that are available. There are a few um, that aren't that far removed from wild, wild selections. In fact, one um, is called ruble. That one is still actually just a selection from, a um, from the wild. That one is of interest um, to people because um, one of your earlier listeners had, had mentioned um, antioxidants and anti-inflammatory properties. That variety is a very small fruited blue, um, blueberry, as are a lot of the low bush that has a high antioxidant concentration because it has relatively more skin to pulp in each berry. And that tends to increase, um, to result in higher antioxidant levels within those berries. So People who are interested um, in that in particular might want to look for a smaller fruited variety like that one. But there are a lot of other great varieties out there um, that have been around for quite a long time. Um, Blue Crop is one of my favorites that has a really good flavor to it and a nice berry size. Um, Patriot's another favorite. Um, you know, basically the nurseries that in your are in your area, hopefully, will know what cultivars perform best for your area. But, um, but often a lot of the stores where perhaps, you know, as you had mentioned, you might go to a home improvement center, they may be buying in something that may not necessarily be adapted best to your area. Um, I also would encourage people just to look for sources of information like yours, or if they're in the U.S., you know, in the Extension Service. Also, um, Ag Canada has a lot of great publications related to, to good varieties that'll do well in various areas. I think it's worth trying, isn't it? You know, trying different things and different uh, varieties and cultivars and, and native plants, for sure. Yeah. We have a question from Julie uh, from Lake Charles, Ontario. So Julie asks, I have read in a few places now, Michael Phillips, Nigel Palmer, the two authors, that with a healthy soil biology, the pH of the soil in close proximity to the roots of the plant, where the plant and soil biology interact, can be very different than the pH of the general soil in the area. Plants have the ability to create the soil environment they need to thrive to a degree. So acid-loving plants like blueberries do not magically find acidic soil to grow in, but the soil biology that the blueberry plant supports causes a shift to the acidic soil pH. So, she says, if this were true, couldn't you plant blueberries in soils with any pH and they'd be able to survive? Or perhaps only plants that are mature enough with enough root mass could survive in soil of high pHs. Yes. Fascinating question. <laughs> it is a fascinating question. So yes, you know, the plant's root systems do exude various types of acids. They do have some ability to modify the environment right around them to some, some extent. And so, um, you know, what the listener is referring to is true to a certain extent. However, there are some soils where the 
elements that are in that soil are fairly different from what the blueberry plant might really want. And there is a reason why we don't see them growing everywhere in nature. And that tells me that there is a limit to what the plants can do as far as modifying their own environment or else they would be everywhere. And so I think, you know, there's sort of a question here and it's, it's always been a question in my mind as well, as far as the chicken, the egg, do the blueberry, are they in an area because those soils are good for them? Or are they there because nothing else can survive there and they're just the plants that, that remain? You know, there's, there's always those questions. Um, but I, I do think still, you know, as we look at the biology of the plant and the morphology of the plant and how its root system is structured, there are certain things that it does need in terms of these more poor, porous soils um, and these micro, mycorrhizal associations that um, keep it in, in the realm in which it is happy in nature. And I think that's really the safest route to go. I also had some interesting and fun comments from Facebook. And on Facebook, I had a comment from Leslie from Georgia. Um, so Leslie says, there are some wild huckleberries near our home in the North Georgia mountains along the forest edge. Our planting site is in full sun, so we chose rabbit eye cultivars. Mm -hmm. UGA has a strong rabbit eye breeding program, and they're recommended for their disease resistance in the hot, humid south. We're growing at a home scale, and we named our puppy Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is fun. Oh, I love that. So, um, Huckleberry Hound there. So anyway, so yes. So in the southeastern United States, and even if you get down into Florida, there will be other types of blueberries that are better adapted to their those areas as opposed to where I am or or or, or Canada. And the rabbit eye are very commonly grown down there. Um, they do give some um, wider adaptation to to heat and to the. Um, to the soils that are that are in the south. Um, I also want to mention too, when we talk about high bush varieties, that there are northern high bush, which are what we grow here, and then there are southern high bush, and there are differences um, not only in heat tolerance but also in terms of um, winter chilling requirements. And so the southern southern high bush do not need as long of a cold period during the winter time before they sense that it's spring and it's time to break bud. So there are all of these different types of blueberries and you really do need to find the ones that are adapted to your region. So a couple more just quick Facebook comments. Soon we're going to do figure out who wins the prize. But uh, there's a comment from Andrew from New York. I'm in the southern Adirondacks, just north of Attica, Attica, not Ithaca, Attica, New York. And our property has a lot of native, native low bush blueberries. So Andrew says they are tart, small, and don't ripen evenly. It's tedious to try and pick enough for baking. Aha, so not all wild blueberries are even worth your time in terms of nibbling on them. Well, so there could be a couple of different things going on there. Um, I would like to know how much sun those bushes are getting because that can affect production of sugars in the plant. And so it's possible that if he had um, more sun to that area, that perhaps they would they would become sweeter. There are some types of understory blueberries that are very tart though. And so I'd really like to know exactly which species he has there. Um, there may be different, um, he may have something a little different from what, what I'm picturing there. But also, yes, there's there are just some ranges um, in flavors among these native plants. Yeah, well, and that's the great thing, because we just assume that blueberries are blueberries. I would love to have a blueberry tasting to really be able to taste the difference. I'm sure I can already sense that the smaller ones would have the more skin to them. Um, and for the, the listener that was talking about nutrition, I don't know, maybe the nutrition, uh, the antioxidants are in this, the skin, I guess. But it's kind of like I can imagine that, but the different flavors would be wonderful to explore. Have you ever attended a blueberry tasting with different cultivars to try? Yeah, so actually we, we do a number of cultivar trials here where we will have 
you know, 10 or 15 or 20 different cultivars that we might be tasting. And it's always a lot of fun to um, get everybody to try these different cultivars and give their impressions. And what is really interesting is not only do the blueberries taste different, but people's perception of what they like of course, is so different too. So some people will prefer a berry that might be a little tartar. Um, and I swear, you know, different people must be able to taste different compounds because some, you know, like there's one particular variety where I will pick up a cinnamon flavor to it, but not everybody does. And so I think, yeah, different people might prefer something a little bit different, but just the range of flavors is pretty amazing. Kathy, what you do is so interesting, and you're so passionate about it. What is it about? Is it blueberries in general? Is it plants in general? What is it about that really like makes you so passionate about doing what you do? Oh, yeah, it's it's plants in general. You know, ever since I've been a kid, you know, I've been growing plants, and I um, jokingly refer to um, to this sometimes in my house in terms of house plants as having a propagation affliction because I can't seem to stop all applying plants but I just love them I love the greenery I love you know I love nature and it just you know it just just gives your house and your life a different feeling I think when you're either in the garden or have plants in your house and it must also be so rewarding working with growers yeah. who have frustrations like some of the people that wrote in you know with their questions people have these whether it's blueberry plants or other plants and they're not performing as they want them to be but when you make a change and when you know that you've helped somebody to 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 grow more successfully that must feel pretty good too oh absolutely yeah i you know sometimes i think i have the, the best job in the world and i you know i love the folks i work with um you know, on a daily basis or, or, you know, growers I might only cross paths with from time to time, but yeah, just doesn't get much better than this. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So we have one more question, then we're going to find out who the winner is. So whoever this is, oh, this is wonderful. So this is from Jessica from DRAM. And Jessica and Dram have donated the two great prizes for the show today. So perfect timing, Jessica, because she says, we love hearing all the great tips and comments about growing blueberries. So who wants to know who's won the prize or double prize package? I do anyways. Gary in the studio has been keeping track of who wrote in. Gary, are you there? I am here. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to shake this bucket up and we're going to have... Uh, Kathy, tell us when to stop, and then I'll draw. So are we ready? Here we go. Okay, that sounds good, Gary. <laughs> okay, so let me pick out something here. And let's see who this is. The winner is Bon Scott from Peterborough, Ontario. Sounds Yay. like an ACDC guy to me. Yeah, that's a Bon, bon Scott was uh, in ACDC, I believe the band. Oh, really? The name, yeah, Bon Scott. Oh, well, hopefully Bon is a real is his or her real name because they wrote in two questions. Okay, <laughs> and that is fantastic, and it's a great prize. Oh my gosh, I wish I won that prize. I I have a little problem with hand pruners. I'm kind of like a hand pruner, like I collect them. I just like them, and Dram has really nice colors as well. So. It's funny, actually, one of my colleagues in the orchard, she I'm very jealous. She has pruners with like a flower design all over them. And I thought, oh, that's just the pruners you want to use on a pruning day when you just feel like wearing a sundress, you know, it'll go so nicely. Anyways, Bon, congratulations. You have won the prize. We're going to email you and uh, Dram will send you your prize directly. And thank you so much to everybody who wrote in these fantastic questions. The whole entire first half of the show was generated by the listeners. And you guys wrote fantastic questions. And Kathy, I want to thank you so much for, for sharing your expertise with us on the show today. I hope you had some fun. Oh, I was happy to be here, Susan. Yes, it was a great time. So thanks for the invitation. All right, fantastic. Well, we are going to wrap up the show for today. Um, we've got an interesting show coming up next month. We talked a little bit about soil testing in the show today. And next month, we are going to go into a lot of detail about the different types of soil testing. 
Um, it's something I'm interested in right now and I want to learn more about. So it should be an interesting show and that's coming up next month. But in the meantime, you are listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show and Podcast brought to you by the Fruit Tree Care Training Website, OrchardPeople.com. This is Reality Radio 101, and I'm Susan Poisner, author of the award-winning Fruit Tree Care book, Growing Urban Orchards. Thank you so much for tuning into the show, and I will see you guys again next month. You've been listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show on Reality Radio 101. To learn more about the show and to download the podcast where I cover lots more great topics, you can visit orchardpeople.com slash podcast. The show is broadcast live on the last Tuesday of every month. And each time I have great new guests talking to me about fruit trees, food forests, and arboriculture. If you're interested in learning more about growing your own fruit trees or just about living a more sustainable life, go to orchardpeople.com and sign up for my information-packed monthly newsletter. If you like this show, please do like our Orchard People Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter at at Urban Fruit Trees. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been wonderful to have you as a listener, and I hope to see you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner, right here on Reality Radio 101.